For the last uh, five, six weeks, we've been going through um, the five solas that came out of the Reformation. Five statements, five doc doctrinal statements, five belief statements that changed Christianity pretty much forever. It was these five statements became what one would call the, the foundation of what the Protestant church believes because there was so much misinterpretation of the scriptures during that time and there was a, an abuse of them and the Reformation fathers decided we've had enough and as Martin Luther took the forefront and stood before the council and said I'm here I stand and this is what I believe it could have cost him his life but it did cost him his life in this way not that they killed him because they didn't but it cost him his life you understand what I'm saying where he was it changed his life when he came to the foundation foundational understanding that salvation was by grace through faith alone the first soul that we looked at was sola scriptura which means that scripture alone is a believer's highest authority for faith and practice we saw that the scripture was God breathed every word of it came from God and he gave it to us so that we could understand him which we can't really but we can understand enough to understand that he loves us and what he did for us then we have sola fide which means faith alone it means we are saved through faith alone in Jesus Christ and that's it there's nothing else we saw sola gratia which means we are saved by God's grace alone the totality of our salvation is a gift of grace from God alone, not from anything we have done. And a couple of weeks ago, we saw solo Christo, which means it, you know, Christ alone, Jesus Christ alone. It releases man from the never-ending attempt to save ourselves. We are saved by the grace of God through Jesus Christ alone. And I've said for the last five, six weeks that we as believers, we say, yeah, we understand this, but I will stand here by myself and say, no, we don't. We understand it partially, but it's not understood so much so that it changes our life where Christ becomes the very center of our life, the very reason that we breathe, the very reason that we do anything. If, if, if we understood these things, and we're going to look at the last one today, if we understood these things, our lives would be revolutionized, not perfect. Now, some have said, you know, well, you know, be easy because some people are, 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 are there. No, we're not. If we were there, our church life would be different. 
our walk would be different. Our, our, what we valued would be different. But let me tell you something. How many of you hold on to old memories? Don't put your hands up. How many of those old memories still haunt you? Don't put your hands up. How many of you hold on to things that losses that you've had in some way, shape, or form that still affect you in a, in a, in a negative way? We don't understand this. Because if God is God, which he is, and we are truly believers, and we say that we've sung it already, that he's our life, he's this, he's that. If he's really that, then he's the one that will be the influencer in our life. Not everything else. Okay, I'll get back on my notes here. I'll give me that look. Today we're going to look at this. Solideo Gloria. I almost said Gratia. Solideo Gloria. Gloria, to God be the glory, or he gets the glory alone, to the glory of God alone. This statement, as we're going to see, now I want you to hang on. To, if, if this sounds academic, tough it out with me today, okay? Because when I go non-academic and I get... So hang in there with me. A statement emphasizes the glory of God as the goal of life. This is for every believer Every believer. Here's the definition. Solideo Gloria emphasizes the glory of God, not mankind's. The idea of Solideo Gloria is found in this. Turn with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. It's up on the screen, but turn with me. Paul has been talking to the, uh, or writing to the Corinthian church. Because some were saying you can eat meat, sacrifice idols, because it's no big deal. Or, and others are saying, no, you can't eat that because you're, 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 they were sacrificed to false gods and, you know, and were you know, leaving the faith. And there was all this argument over it. And Paul gets to a point where he says, if it's hurting your brother, if you, if you go to the market, pick out anything because it's all clean. It's all fine. But if you're eating that and, so, and one of your brothers says, that was sacrificed to an idol, stop. Just for their sake, stop. If you're doing something that is causing your brother to stumble, stop. If it's offending your brother, stop it. Just for them. When you're not around, it's fine. But we do that to help them, to, to help their conscience. But let me show you something. He says the bottom line for all this is this. Look at verse 31. Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. No matter what you do, no matter where you're going, no matter what your day consists of, do it all for the glory of God. Let your heart and your mind want to give glory to God with everything that you do. That's what we're studying on Wednesday nights. Brother Lawrence this little monk learned the secret of this, supposedly, which I don't like that word secret because it makes it sound like it's a secret, and it's not. But he found this place where he did his work in the kitchen in this monastery 
for the glory of God. And everything he did, he did for the glory of God. Whether he was washing dishes, cooking meals, whatever he was doing, he was doing for the glory of God. And so that's what this means. As a doctrine, solideo gloria means that everything is done for God's glory. It excludes man's self-glorification and pride. We as Christians are to be motivated and inspired by God's glory and not our own. Turn on Christian TV. You will see man's glory. It's not about us. But see, even in our, our lives, we don't like that. Because the moment it's not about us, we feel that we are less, we feel that we are getting cheated. The Latin word solely means alone or only. Solely is a root word of our English word solitary. This is just a little stuff. And the phrase Deo Gloria means the glory of God. So sola Deo Gloria means to the glory of God alone. Now, sola Deo Gloria gives reference to our salvation in Christ. As with each sola, the emphasis is on salvation by God's grace, not our works. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, if you would, please. Look at verse 8. We know this by heart. Now I know it's up on the screen, but turn to it. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Here in Ephesians 2.9 we read, so that no one may boast. That is God's grace in providing salvation excludes all human pride and boasting. Paul made an argument in, in uh, Romans chapter three. He made this argument for just, uh, justification by faith. He said this, when there is boasting, where, uh, where, there, where then is boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? Of works? No. Not by the law of, not by, no, but by a law of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. What is he saying there? Read it again with me. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? Of works? No but a law by a law of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from, the law, from works of the law. Why? Because if we could do it, we could say that we did it. It's no different. Because why? We're prone to that. Our sin nature wants to get glory. We want people's attention. We want to be up front. We want to be numero uno. We want to be number one. So if we could do this, we could have some say in it, right? The greatest thing that we could understand is not that we're sons of God only, but that we're servants of the Most High. When we realize that we are sons but yet slaves, we are children of God yet servants, it takes a different view. You know why? Because it teaches us something. 
It teaches us respect of God. I'll stop there because if I go any further, I can get in real trouble. Because children need to understand that parents are above them. But we think we're equal. And don't think that it doesn't go into your, your relationship with God. It does. There's so many things I want to say, but I'm going to be good. Let's go on. Here's our response. What are we, how do we respond to Sola Deo Gloria? This. Our response is we live for the glory of God alone. There's no room for the glory of man in God's plan for salvation. If it were possible for someone to attain salvation through works, then we would have something to boast about. We said that, Romans 4, 2, and 3, which you can read that later on. It's just talking about Abraham. That he, If anybody could boast, Paul said Abraham could. But it came down to that Abraham did what? He was called a man of faith. He trusted in God, not his own works. Okay, If it was possible to gain salvation through works, then we have something to brag about, but it's impossible. We cannot save ourselves. We were dead in our sins, Ephesians 2.1, and could do nothing to help ourselves for, uh, toward life. Praise God that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, Romans 6.23. Solo Deo Gloria. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. King Hezekiah was not credited with saving Jerusalem from Assyrians in 2 Kings 19. God was the one that, was def that defeated the enemy. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not credited with saving themselves in the fiery furnace in Daniel 3. God prevented them from dying. Let me ask you a question. Can you think of some place in your life that God saved you in some way other than salvation? God took care of you and give him the glory for it. The salvation of sinners was God's idea alone. The accomplishing of that salvation was God's work alone. The granting of that salvation is God's grace alone. And the fulfillment of that salvation is God's promise alone. From the beginning to the end, salvation belongs to the Lord. Look at that again. The salvation of sinners was God's idea alone. The accomplishing of that salvation was God's work alone. The granting of that salvation is God's grace alone. And the fulfillment of that salvation is God's promise alone. Salvation belongs to to the Lord. Sola Deo Gloria. Salvation is for the glory of God alone. Let me show you something. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 10, verse, chapter 7, verse 10. Revelation 7, verse 10. And they who, the great multitude, cry out with a loud voice, 
saying, look what they're saying, salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's not saying that God and the Lamb need salvation. It's accrediting salvation to them. Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. If we really understood that, our praise would be different. Our worship would be different. Everything that we do, everything that we say would be different. And I'm talking to myself. I want to understand this more. I want this to be such so ingrained in my life in a way that it's never been before that everything that I do is possible would bring honor and glory to God that I would look at him that way. And my worship would be different. Another response, we can do nothing but give God all the glory. Listen to this. Yes, we repented of our sin, but only because God's grace enabled us to repent. We placed our faith in Christ, but only because God's grace enabled us to have faith. There's no work that we can do in, it, do in and of ourselves that will in any way earn or help secure our salvation. We are called and kept by the power of God alone. Why? Why? For his glory. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7. Ephesians 2, verse 7. Turn with me. Ephesians 2, verse 7. So that in the ages to come, well, let's back up. <laughs> let's back up here. Look at verse 4. But God, we saw this a few weeks back. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together. Who made us alive? Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that, watch this, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Why? It was for his glory. It was all for his glory. He loved us, yes. But he did this for his glory. We're not trophies of his glory. That's not what this is. We're not objects of his glory. We're his children. You ever glory in your children? Anytime? Don't answer that. Some of you may go, you don't know my kids. But you ever glory in your kids? You ever show them off? Imagine how God feels. Johann Sebastian Bach. You know who he is, right? Do you know at the bottom of all his music, his sheet music that he wrote, that had to do with God in any way, he put S-D-G. Soli Deo Gloria. The goal of our life should be the glory of God alone. Look back at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. 
whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. The Westminster Catechism, the Shorter Catechism, says the chief purpose of human life is to do what? Thank you. That's right, you're going to a Presbyterian school. <laughs> Say it again. The chief purpose of mankind, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But you, you ever notice that there's, there's two things in there? It says to glorify God first, right? And then what's the second part? Enjoy him forever. Can you enjoy him forever if you're not glorifying him? But when you truly glorify God, there's a joy in this. You can enjoy him. Because why? You've taken the focus off of you, put it on him, given him the glory. Do you know what that is? It's called praise and worship. For that moment, we take our eyes off ourselves and glorify God. And when we're truly wrapped up in his glory, when we are focusing on him, giving him everything that we have, surrendering what we can in any way, shape, or form, it revolutionizes, it changes the way that we worship. Am I making sense? As believers... We should do all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Colossians 3.17, it says this, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Solideo Gloria is both the beginning and the end of the four solas. Dr. Matheson, I, I love this quote. I stumbled upon it in studying. It, it really, I liked it. He's professor of systematic theology at the Reformation Bible College. Says this, the Holy Spirit inspired the scriptures to the glory of God alone. Christ humbled himself to the point of death and was raised and exalted to the right hand of the Father to the glory of God alone. Grace and mercy are offered to rebellious sinners to the glory of God alone. Justification is by faith alone to the glory of God alone. Sola Dea Gloria, therefore, is central. Sola Dea Gloria means that everything is done for God's glory and not for man's self-glorification and pride. The glory of God is the holiness of God on display. Isaiah 6, 3 says this. And one called out to another and said, holy, holy, holy. This is the, the cherubim, the seraphim glorifying God. And one called out to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God or the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. When the holiness of God radiates out and fills the earth for people to see, it is called glory. When we display the salvation that Christ has given us in our lives, when our lives have been changed, hear me on this, when our lives have been so changed that our lives are wrapped up in God, when we understand 
the cost of the salvation, when we understand the power of that salvation, the power of the gospel in our life, when we understand that God saved us, when we understand that he abides in us, when we understand just these simple truths, what happens is we begin to display that salvation that is given to us in our everyday life. And when we do that, that holiness comes out. And when that holiness comes out, it's the glory of God. We always say, I want to see the glory of God. Then walk righteously. I want to see God's glory in this place. Then come thanking and glorifying before you get here. I want to see God's glory in my life. Then walk before him holy. Not perfect. We can't do that yet. So don't get on a guilt trip because of what I'm saying. I'm talking to me. Walk like a believer. When we walk with the power of God, by the power of God, and walk as believers, when we do this, we glorify God, and his glory goes out from us. And I'm not angry, I'm passionate. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. It was interesting. This was my very first sermon I ever preached was on these verses. It lasted a whole seven minutes. You're not that blessed. But look what it says. But you. Now look, at this is who we are because of Christ. Look at this. But you are a chosen race. A chosen race means what? That somebody chose us, right? We were picked out. Let's go on. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people for God's own possession. So that you may do what? Proclaim what? The, read it with me. The excellencies of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Or you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You, are, you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We were picked out. God chose us. He knew beforehand. He chose us in such a way that he said, I'm going to change these people. I'm going to put my spirit in them. I'm going to save them. I'm going to redeem them from their sins. I'm going to send my son to die on a cross, to bleed, to be broken for our sins. And I'm going to save him. Then I'm going to raise him from the dead to secure it all and show them this is what happens. He did all this so that we could live a life that gives glory and honor to him. And by that life, we can begin drawing people that are unbelievers to Christ. That's what this is about. Our lives should be bringing glory to God because he saved us. Simple as that. When God's work of salvation radiates from the lives of those who are born again, the whole earth is filled with his glory. You see that? When God's work of salvation radiates from the lives of those 
who are born again. Now hear me, born again. The whole earth is filled with his glory. You know, it's said of many of the revivalists and preachers of old that there were some that when they, they were so in love with God, they were not perfect, but they were so in love with God that their lives shone forth the glory of God. They would walk into to factories and as they walked by people, the very presence of God was so heavy on these, these men and women that people would fall down and confess their sin without being asked to. Because they understood something, that it wasn't about them. And their life was so sold to God in, so, in such a way that God's presence was on them so much that people could feel it. I want to be that way. I want this church to be that way. I want us to have such a worship in here that when people walk into this place, they can sense the very presence of God because of the people, not because of a building. I want my life to give glory to God because, you know, I, I know I've, I've shared my testimony hundreds of times here, probably too much, but you don't understand. I know where I came from, and I know where I'm at. And I couldn't have gotten here without Christ. I couldn't have done it. I couldn't be the man that I am today, whatever that is, and it's a small man. But I couldn't be this. I couldn't even be standing here giving you the gospel if it wasn't for what happened to me so many years ago. I know where I came from. I know what was happening to me. And I know who changed me because I couldn't. And I failed so many times, but I want God to get glory from my life in some way, shape, or form. And I will say that it was him. That's what every believer ought to say, no matter where you came from. If you were raised in a Christian home, and you didn't really go through a lot, but you've been, you, you were saved at a young age, you've been walking with Christ, I would trade my life for that. I would, so that I didn't have to go through that stuff. But I know that God even used that for his glory, and I want him to. That's why there's times I, I shared so much, because I know whom I have believed in and am persuaded that he is able to keep the very thing I've committed unto him, this, against that day, so that when I close my eyes for that last time, whatever it may be, that I know when I open those eyes, I will see my Lord face to face because of what he did. That is bringing glory to God. Do you know where you came from? Do you know? Do you know what he saved you from? Let's pray.
Soli Deo Gloria, O Lord. May you receive all glory. And I pray that, Lord, in our life today, that as we get ready to go, that, Lord, that our eyes will turn to you. The eyes of our heart will turn to you. That, Lord, that, Father, our hearts will turn to you. And that, Lord, that you will be the focus of our life. Father, I pray that you will come in such power in each of our lives today that, Lord, that we can do nothing but give you glory and repent where we need to repent. Father, you know I've asked you to bring revival many times, and I have not stopped asking. Father, revive our hearts. With their heads bowed, there's someone here that doesn't know Christ. Today he's calling you. Surrender your life to him. Repent of your sin. Understand that the wages of sin is death, eternal death, separation from God. But he said this, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. He said if we confess with our mouth that he is Lord, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Do that today. Confess your sin to him. Believe in your heart and confess him with your mouth. Lord, we ask. Lord, that you will receive glory. You will receive glory.